Appreciate you, Christian. Appreciate the prayer, Brian. Derek, singing. Blessing it is to have men who want to serve. Amen? Amen. That want to serve and do uh, the Lord's will. I know that we have some guests here this morning, and I want to uh, say uh, on behalf of the elders that we are glad that you are here. We are excited that you are here, and we uh, want you to come back. We want you to be a part of what we got going on here, and I hope that you've been greeted well, and I know if uh, any of our members ha see you, be on the lookout for a hug or a shake or a jerk or a, no. <laughs> we uh, are continuing our thoughts on the mind of Christ and, and what that looks like in the world today. Am I? Yeah. Okay. And I want us to look in Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. That's where we'll be in just a few minutes. But I was doing some reading and some looking and some figuring, and I'm not always great at that, but I kind of came to uh, a common thought, and there was a variety of different averages that, that I found, but the majority kind of fell in this realm. The average person speaks... 11 million words a year. Now, that differs from different people. Mine's probably way higher than that. But 11 million words a year. So I did some calculations, and you can double check me. I did it on my phone. That means at the age of 65, you will have spoken 715 million words. That's an incredible thought. That's a lot of words that come out of our mouths. It reminds me of this story uh, told of this prosecuting attorney. He, he was in a small town and he was at court one day and he called his first witness. It was an elderly woman, and her name was Miss Jones. And she went up and sat down and raised her right hand, told she was going to tell the truth and all of that. And the prosecutor said, Miss Jones, do you know me? She responded, Why, yes, I know you, Mr. Williams. I've actually known you since you were a young boy. And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat, you manipulate people and, and talk about them behind their back. You think that you're a rising big shot, but you're not even smart enough to realize that you're never going to amount to anything. Yeah, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. He didn't even know what to do. So he turned and he pointed at the defense attorney and he said, do you know him? She said, why, of course, I know Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster. I actually used to babysit him. He, too, has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy. He's bigoted. He has a drinking problem. He can't build a normal relationship with anyone. He, his law practice is one of the sneakiest ones in the state. Yes, I know him. 
At that point, the crowd was going wild in the courtroom. And the judge smacking his gavel down called both lawyers to the bench. And they came up and he leaned forward very quietly. And he said, and if either of you ask her if she knows me, I'll hold you in contempt of court. (laughs) Oh, how powerful our words are. Amen? How powerful our speech is. Think about Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. It says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16, 24 says, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. They can build up, they can encourage, they can motivate, but words can also tear down. Words can hurt and cause horrible wounds and scars. Our words matter to the Lord, amen? And as we continue our series on having the mind of Christ in the world today, does Jesus have anything to say about our speech? If you would look with me in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus in dealing with uh, some Pharisees who said that he was the ruler of the demons. They called him Beelzebub. They said that he could only cast out demons because he was the leader of the demons. And Jesus in response, I want to pick up in verse 33. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers is what Jesus calls this group. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. And verse 37 is so powerful. We're so familiar with it. But let it marinate in your heart this morning. Let it marinate in your mind. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Wow. Matthew 12 verse 35, Jesus says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Brethren, if you had to be honest, what's your treasure in your heart? Is it full of good things or is it full of evil things? By your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. How have your words been last week? Has God been pleased as he listened in on your conversations? Listening to the way you've been talking about others when they weren't around? Do we think he's pleased with the actual words that have come out of our mouths? 
We expect Jesus to condemn profane and, and vile words, don't we? But idle words... We say some careless thing about others and not realizing the impact that they have on us as well as those listening. But should God really care about that, the, the, the little things? Do we talk the way we talk because deep down we truly believe that God isn't going to really, truly, seriously going to hold us accountable for all that we say? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks is what Jesus said. So when we just think about last week, what were we talking about? Who were we talking about? You know, we can know really quick. We can know uh, without a doubt where our hearts were at and what we were concerned with. The Bible has so much to say about the way that we should use our words and I want us to consider four things really quickly. Some, some biblical principles about the way that we should use our words. The first thing is we have to keep from using attack words. Words are so often used as a weapon to get at people. Amen? It's so sad, but it's so true. The goal sometimes in our conversations with each other is to intentionally hurt somebody. Huh. Oh, I'm about to hit you where it hurts. And I know exactly what I got to say, right? I know exactly the tone I got to do it. I know exactly the way that it needs to be done to get my point across. Our words can cut like a knife. No wonder James says in James chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. I want you to think about the description that he uses when he talks about our tongue, the way that we talk. It says, and the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And look at this one. And it set, is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil and it's full of deadly poison. Brethren, will we say amen to that? There is no man that can tame the tongue. But brethren, what things are impossible with man are possible with God. I know somebody who can tame it. Don't you? I know somebody who can put it where it needs to be. I know somebody who can put it in its place. But I got to want it. I got to desire it. 
The tongue is ready to lash out evil, but a child of God understands because of the word, because of what is talked about in scripture, we realize that our words do matter. And what we say does have power. And God wants our words to bless others. Amen? No matter if it's a difficult conversation, no matter if it's an easy conversation, no matter if it's done in a loving way, however it's done, it needs to be something that will bless the person who hears it. Maybe it was hard for them to hear, but later on, I always appreciate somebody telling me the truth. Amen? Even if it hurts. Now man can tame the tongue. No, he can't. But God can. Now watch this. First Peter chapter 3 verses 10 and 11. It says, for he who would love life and see good days... Now, brethren, when we think about our lives and we think about the beauty of what God does for us, God is going to, through his word, help us today to be able to do exactly this. Tame our tongue if we'll let him. And here's how he does it. He's just so awesome like this. Every single one of us in here would be willing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't. But everybody just about in here would love, loves life and wants to see good days. Amen. I love life. I like living. I like doing stuff with my, I like being here. And I, I want to see good days in my life. So here's the truth. Peter says for he who would love life and see good days, here's how you do it. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Okay. So when I'm about to talk, when I'm about to say something, what do I do? I refrain myself from evil. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Well, how do I do that, Peter? Holy Spirit inspired Peter to say this. He's about to let us in on what we need to do. He says, let him seek peace and pursue it. We all know what peace is, don't we? In my conversation, if I'm talking to somebody, if I'm talking around somebody, what is my aim? Peter says, if you love life and you want to see good days, your aim should be peace. And then he says to pursue it. Now, how incredible is that? See, those attack words become less and less because now when I speak, now when I talk, what is my aim? I'm trying to seek peace and I'm pursuing it by the things that I say. So sometimes when I probably shouldn't say that, I'm not going to say it because I know exactly what's going to happen when it comes out of my mouth. Amen? The first thing to consider is we must keep from using attack words. The second thing is this. And boy, this one will get you. We must refrain from gossip. What news are we sharing with others, brethren? Is it really that important? There's only one thing I heard this and I thought it was pretty cool. There's only one thing more difficult than unscrambling an egg. That's pretty hard, isn't it? And that's unspeaking a rumor. 
Gossip destroys. But what happens to us when the conversation begins like this, let me tell you what I heard. Oh, I can't wait to tell you this. Oh, so-and-so told me something and I can't wait to tell you what's happening. A gossip usually makes a mountain out of a molehill. And how does they do it? They do it by adding a bunch of dirt. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28 says this, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. You want to know how the scripture helps us? You want to know how the scripture helps us have this mouth that is acceptable in the world and, and amongst the brethren? We listen to what it says and what it tells us is a perverse man, somebody wanting to do their own thing in their own way, sows strife. And a whisperer separates the best of friends. And look at this. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, you want to know how God helps you with this? You want to know how God is going to keep you from getting in trouble when it comes to gossip? He says, therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. What does God's word do? You want to know why I love the Bible? You want to know why I love going by what this tells me? It keeps me out of trouble. How about you? It guides me the way that I need to go. It encourages me to say the things that I need to say. It tells me what not to do and what to do. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. What else can we learn from the Bible as it pertains to our speech? We must use clean words. You know, brethren, some words are just not proper to speak, are they? You know those ones that you used to have to wash your mouth out with soap over? A Christian shouldn't be talking that way, period. And oh, Satan's got a hold on this because having a foul mouth is really cool. Having a foul mouth really makes you a tough guy. See, saying them cuss words and those things like that really makes you a whole lot tougher when you can come out with those types of, of things. But you know what it does? And I'll raise my hand and say, you know what? At one time in my life, that's all I ever used. If you talk to me, you'd probably get a whole list of foul things coming out of my mouth. But as a Christian, you want to know what that does? When we decide to use those types of things in our talk and in our language and in our mind, it brings reproach upon Jesus and his church. Oh, you're a Christian and that's how you talk? Oh, really? Paul said it like this, but now you 
yourselves are to put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. You're supposed to put them off. Now, if I'm struggling with these things, what do I need to do? I need to address it. I need to pray about it. I need to ask my brethren to help me with it. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 and 4 says this, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. Now here we see the word of God working again. We see the word of God doing exactly what it's supposed to do, helping and guiding us. It tells us, no, we shouldn't be doing this. Well, Matt, what should I be doing? How do I eliminate this problem from my life? God gives us the answer at the end of this verse. It says, but rather giving of thanks. What an awesome thing. (laughs) Here I am struggling. I'm about to say something real crazy. But if I'm training my mind to be transformed by God's will, what do I do in the toughest moment? Lord, I appreciate you allowing me to think about what I'm about to say, and I don't want to say it. Because I love you so much and I'm so thankful for what you did to me. Today is not the day that I'm going to say this. Today, man, that sounds silly, Matt. Really, does it though? Does it really? Because it's so discouraging when you try, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. It's so discouraging to me when I try to do the right thing and I find myself doing the wrong thing. I want to be the best preacher I can be. I want to be the best example that I could be. But guess what? I don't sometimes. Sometimes I say, sometimes I do things that I shouldn't do. Sometimes I'm involved in things that I shouldn't be involved in. But what a blessing it is to have God's word hidden in my heart so when the attack comes, I know how to escape it. The Bible says no, no filthiness, no foolish talking, no, nor coarse jesting. Brethren, how involved have we been in on these things this past week? Have we thought for a minute when those things get brought up in our, in our attention or we're actually saying those things, do we stop ourselves and say, you know what, not today, Lord, because I'm thankful for what you did, Jesus, when you was tempted We just looked at a verse in class. Jesus in Mark chapter 3 was angry with the Pharisees. He was angry with the scribes because he grieved in his heart that their hearts had become hard. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't sin. 
I hope that I would do the same thing, but if I had the ability to tell somebody's heart was hard and they really was checked out, I don't know what I'd say. Huh? How about you? How much do we love Jesus? How much do we care about him? You want to know how much you care about him? When we walk up out of here today, just listen to the way you talk. You'll know real quick. The last thing is this. We must refrain from gossip. We must use clean words. But we also need to use edifying words. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, boy, that takes some discipline, don't it? But see, there's a purpose for it. There's a reason why I'm holding myself back from not speaking corrupt words. Because I want to impart grace to the hearer. No rotten talk, only what is good for the building up of someone. Brethren, are we striving to give grace to the hearers of our words? Our words can have an incredibly positive or incredibly negative effect on somebody else. How many of us have found great comfort and great encouragement because of what somebody has said to us? I don't have time today. I don't have time today to tell you about all the great things that you guys have said to me. Even when my lesson wasn't where it, on the top of the list, right? I always try to hit a home run, but I know I don't. I strike out. And that's okay. Because I got brethren that still love me, still care about me, and won't lie to me, but will tell me the truth in love because they really do want the best for me. Don't underestimate the power of an encouraging word. Now, I'm not up here saying all it is is fluff and, and nothing hard. I'm not up here saying that. If somebody needs to be talked to, we got to talk to them. But it, got, it has to be in an encouraging way. It has to be done in love. How are our words? What are we saying? What is the Lord listening to us talk about? And what is he hearing when nobody else is around? When it comes right down to it, unless our heart is right, until we really and truly let the word of God transform our life, our words will stay the same. It won't really be that big of a deal. We'll move on in life and not care too much about it. But Paul said this, and I want us to consider it as we close. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lusts. 
And do not present your members, brethren, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Oh, I I once was lost in sin. But Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. See, I don't present myself as a member of unrighteousness, but I present myself to God as being alive from the dead. And I present my members, I present the things that I do, the things that I say as instruments of righteousness to God. Man, we all have the ability to do that. For sin shall not have dominion over you, Christian. Hear me, hear Paul. He says, for you are not under the law, you are under grace. For by grace, you've been saved. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Jesus made it possible for you to be right, for you to be sanctified, for you to be set apart. Shouldn't our words display the appreciation that we have for that, brethren? What are we saying? What are we talking about? Ask yourself that question. And, and if you're here today and sin has had dominion over you, if you had to be honest, and that's happening in your life, today is the day to change. Today is the day to make it go away. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with that. Maybe your words have hurt people. Maybe your thoughts are not where they need to be as far as being transformed to the image of God. You can make it right today. Ask for forgiveness if you need prayers We'll pray with you. But friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I, I want to ask you, why? Why would you wait? There's going to be a great day where we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're all going to be judged on our deeds, whether good or bad. Why would we not want to stand with the greatest mediator ever, Jesus Christ, that would say, no, that's mine. That one's mine. You do it by getting into Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 says that baptism now saves us. It's not the removal of filth of the flesh, but it is an answer of a good conscience towards God. I can't do it, Lord, but I know that you can. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16, 16. 
If you believe in Jesus, you believe that he came, that he was buried and that he rose again. If you believe that you need to repent and turn from your way of living and turn towards Jesus. If you're willing to confess his name before men and say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. If you believe that you need to be baptized in water, you go in dead and you come out alive. Romans 6, 1, 2 and 3 and 4. If you believe those things, today you can be added to his family and live a life faithful unto death when Jesus will say, I'll give you a crown of life because of your service. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need prayers, whatever you need, please come right now together. We stand and sing.